Today is Tuesday, the 16th of January, 2024. Our speaker today is B.J., uh, who comes to us. I've got this information. Uh, who first came to OA in 2005 and is originally from Birmingham in the West Midlands and now lives in Plymouth, Devon. And uh, it is now my pleasure to turn over the, I guess the microphone, which is kind of metaphysical, to be now. Thank you. Thank you, Tricia. Oh, God, thank you, Recovery from Relapse Meeting, um, for asking me to share. Uh, first thing I'm going to do is to share some photos of me. Uh, let's see if I can do that. Okay, maybe I'll do them a little bit later because I don't want to waste too much time. Um, but, um, yeah, hi, I'm B. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm going to out myself <coughs> by saying it is very fortunate that Rita Q did not remind me that this meeting was recorded because I might have been even more nervous, um, than I was. But I said before the meeting started, um, I reckon that by the time I open my mouth, I'll be okay. And I am. I've done a lot of praying. I've been on my knees a lot um this morning um or this afternoon just before this meeting just asking my higher power to help me rely on their infinite self rather than my finite self because I am still quite I don't want to be hard but egotistical I still worry about what people think of me whether I'm going to do a good job what people's takeaway is going to be and I was reminded last night just just to tell my story just to tell my story so um that's what I'm gonna do and if I forget in my nerves to show my photos please forgive me um but they are very cute just say so um I'm 54 years old um I've been a compulsive overeater for most of that time I grew up in a a, a very dysfunctional family in a hostile society that wasn't very kind to people who looked like me. And as a child, um, I'm, I'm not equipped. I wasn't equipped to, to cope with the emotions that came up. And I only know this in hindsight. Um, I don't know when I first picked up the food. All I know is that I was always wanting it. Um, and I would steal it from shops. I would sneak it from home. I would steal money from my mother's purse to buy sweets. So she sent me down the road um, to the corner shop to buy to buy sweets. You know, she never got the full quarter pound. There was always some missing and she never knew about that. I have picked food up in the street and this is, this is as a, a small child. And to avoid the the storm that was always present in my home. You know, I did what it says in OA literature. I I hid and I ate. When I was little, I thought I was bigger than other people. And I think at this point, and I pray that it doesn't take me too long to do it. Um, because, aha, here I am, here I am. Um, I looked... I looked normal and I, I didn't know that. I thought I was I thought I was big, but 
I wasn't. And you can see from this photo, this is um, this is <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so adorable. This is me. Um, this is me in my netball team at junior school. I think I might have been about seven or eight, something like that. But you know, I was a, I was a little cutie. But even then, I was compulsively eating. And the you know the pictures take you throughout the years. I think. This one here, I might have been, oh, I think I was in very early 20s, maybe 1920 here. This one here, I was, oh, <clears throat> maybe late 20s. Here's my 40th birthday. And and here's my wedding, where even I can say I looked absolutely beautiful. But that was the second wedding dress I had to buy because I didn't fit in the first. And within six months of that photograph being taken, I was in OA, absolutely baffled by my inability to stop compulsive eating. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop sharing now and get back to the story. Um so as a child, <clears throat> I compulsively ate. Um as a teenager, I compulsively ate. As a young adult, I compulsively ate. Um in my thirties, I compulsively ate. In my 40s, I compulsively ate. In my 50s, I compulsively ate. I didn't start dieting until I was 23 years old. And I think that black and white picture was me at my top weight, um, where I was actually three stone heavier, uh, 42 pounds, um, than when I started dieting. Um, I didn't really, even though I thought I was bigger than other people, it didn't bother me too much, as long as people didn't call me names. It didn't bother me too much until my my late teens where, you know, I'd always been sporty throughout my life. Um, but as I did less sport, the, the weight became apparent even to me. Problematically apparent even to me and I said to myself by the time I'm 16 I'm going to be a size 16 and, and back in the day in the UK that was when plus size died and I was right um, I was plus sized officially by the time I was 16 years old and um, up until last year I've never been a healthy body weight in my entire adult life, I'd either been obese or overweight. Um, I didn't try to control my weight until I was 23 years old. Um, and um, I tried. I tried so many things. You know, I went, I was revolving door customer. Uh, the way and pays, um, I tried crazy diets I saw on the internet I'd buy loads and loads of magazines I was heavily involved with pro-anorexia websites and um I think it's only recently that I've gotten over the shame of wishing myself to have that disease to me that's an affront to my anorexic brothers and sisters um yeah, I did lots of 
crazy things. I, oh my gosh, I even used a colleague's um, prescription diet drugs after he told me that they were affecting his blood pressure and his eyesight because I wanted to get thin. <laughs> and what I would do was I would use the tablets and they would work until I wanted a binge and then I wouldn't take the tablet. That is how ridiculous my disease is. You know, even when handed a solution as I saw it at the time, yeah, I would I would put it down in favour of the food because to me it was you know, it was it was everything. It was a comforter and a friend and a hobby and and it was it was recreation it was everything and I've heard this in meetings before and I know different you know whatever mood I was in whether I was happy whether I was sad whether I was bored whether I was miserable I would I would want to eat if you invited me somewhere and there wasn't food I'd be like well what's the point in that I don't want to be here if I can't eat he's like rubbish and um and if there was food I couldn't really focus on you because the food is more interesting than you. I, and I cannot, to this day, I cannot multitask. I cannot focus on you. Well, when I'm not in recovery anyway, I can't focus on you and the food. Is. I just can't because, like, without this program, food is my master. And, um, yes, yeah, so when I, you know, when I hit 23, I tried all these things and, um, and they didn't work, not for any length of time. The first time I dieted, I think I, I lost about 28 pounds. <clears throat> and then something would happen. And then I'd put the weight back on again. And then I'd try something else. And then I'd put the weight back on again. And then I'd try something else. And then I'd put the weight back on again. And um, by the time I came to OA, I knew that I was a compulsive overeater. I knew I was a binge eater. I knew that there was a name for what I was. And it's interesting because I I heard about this um this program in a in a book. It was just about the 12 steps beating addiction because I also knew I was an addict by this time. And um I read the book. I'm like, oh, okay, there's a thing. And um and I, I Googled or whatever was the, the search engine at the time. 20 minutes left, please. Thank you. And um, and I found out that there was a meeting literally three minutes walk from my house. And I printed that information off and I folded it up and I put it in the book and I did nothing with it until, until about six months after I got married. And I discovered, you know what? I ticked all the boxes. I'd got a nice new job. I'd got a nice new husband. We'd moved into a nice new flat. It's like, tick, tick, tick. This is what society tells me. Get the house, get the man, get the job. And like, you know, happy, joyous and free. It's like, no, no, not if you're a junkie. Not if you're an addict. That's not how it works. Because any emotional disturbance or none, I'm going to reach for my drug of choice. So, um, <clears throat> so I bought this beautiful dress that I was going to dye into for my wedding. And then I had to buy another dress because I didn't get into my original wedding dress. And um, and I was super good 
in quotes, super good until my wedding. Then I got this dress that was a little bit big for me and I got married in the States. And the food there is ridiculous. It's ridiculously good and ridiculously big. And because I had this space in my dress, all bets were off. And once I was off the leash, I couldn't get back on it. So <clears throat> six months after my wedding and a, maybe a month or so after I found out about OA, I'm terrified and I'm out of control. And I just jumped up one evening, grabbed my keys, grabbed my fags because I smoked at the time, told my husband I was going to meet and didn't tell him where. And I just left. I just left the house. And I, I went to this meeting and... I saw these people and they were nothing like me. You know, I I was just like miserable, sad, obese, depressed. At the end of my tether, these people, how dare they? They were smiling. They were suited and booted. They were a collective. They were a family. They had it together. And I wanted to be like them. I really, really, really wanted to be like them. So straight away, it's either my first or my second meeting. I got a sponsor and I did what she said. I got a big book. I got a Just For Today card. I started submitting my food plan. I would pray in the morning, I'd pray in the evening. I was taken through the 12 steps. All right. And the food wouldn't stay down like it had a life of its own I could not remain abstinent for more than two months at a time and I it really hurts it really really hurts to be in the room of OA and everybody's carrying the message and they're sharing the message in the meeting and they're messing with the sponsors and all I could see was everybody else had got it and I was the only failure in the room, and I couldn't take it. So I left, and um, and I was back in the food for four years. After three years, I knew I had to come back because nothing had touched my eating. I'd been to counselling, um, especially eating disorder counselling, and they said two things to me that rang alarm bells. Firstly, they said food isn't addictive, which I know is not true. And the second thing they said to me was, you don't have to change. And I knew that was rubbish. It took me a year. I keep seeing fellows in the street and I dodge them. And, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. If I couldn't dodge them, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, nice to see you, nice to see you. And then I'd slope off. Or I'd be like skulking around the supermarket just in case one of them popped up and saw what was in my basket. I just, and it was just rubbish. And um, and I was getting bigger again, and I did not like that. So after a year of knowing I had to come back, I um, I came back, <clears throat> and I was taken through the OA, the OA workbook. And again, for a couple of years, I was in and out of food. This time, I managed three months. Um, but when I came back this time, I heard a different message. I heard keep coming back, don't leave until the miracle happened. So it was, it felt safer. And I and I don't mean that I felt unsafe previously, but it felt like 
I could stay and not feel judged. You know, I could stay no matter what condition my recovery was in. And, and so I did. And it was only when my sponsor found me out in a lie of omission that I put the food down, not immediately, not immediately. Um, what I did was I got honest with her and I would tell her, even though I, I wouldn't phone somebody up before I picked up because I knew the tools would work and I actually wanted the food, so I didn't do that because I'm insane, right? Um, but I would tell her every time. Every time I picked up, I would tell her, tell her, and the shame would hurt and the shame would hurt and the shame would hurt. And then one day, call it a rock bottom if you like. I'm not, I can't do that again. I can't do that again. And that was July the 22nd, um, 2013. And interestingly, the reading in for day, in for today, for that date is repetition is the only form of permanence that nature can achieve. And I was so proud of that date. So and so I chugged along, did the steps um, academically, um, sponsored, hated it, but sponsored because I didn't want to pick up, um, was completely miss away. I mean, seriously, there was one time that we hosted um, National Assembly down here and I was, I was poorly. I had to have surgery, but I was dragging myself to that thing just for a little bit, right? I walked into that room that, that where everybody was eating and I got a round of applause and that ain't right. <laughs> that is not right. And and I say that's not right. Not and and it's it's good to be loved and it's good to be appreciated. And there are people in this room right now that I love and appreciate. But that kind of thing fed my ego and it fed my pride. And what that meant was when I was struggling. I couldn't say, I couldn't say. And when my father died, when my father was diagnosed as terminal um, in 2016, um, my food became what I like to describe as elastic. So I was having my three meals a day so I could kid myself that I was still abstinent, but I was using. I was using, and one of my favorite stories in uh, the book, in fact, in all of OA literature, because I, I resonate with it so much, one of my favorite stories is I lost sight of what moderate was. And it talks about something we don't generally talk about in OA, which is gaining weight in abstinence, or in so-called abstinence, as I like to call it now. So um, whilst I had steadily but slowly um, lost weight in um, in a way, then I started to, to gain it. And I don't know whether it was so slow nobody noticed, but no one called me. But more importantly, I did not call myself. And it's like I have two levels of consciousness. You know, here is, yeah, three meals a day, going to meetings, sponsoring news and the tools, rah, rah, rah rainbows and unicorns and underneath there's this voice saying be this ain't right mate this is not right that is not right and I ignored it 
I ignored it and I carried on sponsoring. I ignored it and carried on not being honest. And when I spoke to my sponsor and said I was struggling, had I disclosed everything, had I the courage to disclose everything, I may or may not have gone so hard down the path that I did. But, you know, you know, we like to talk about, I've heard, sorry, I've heard everything happens for a reason. I'm not a fan of that. I really am not a fan of that. But I think it was a good thing that I really am. I'm just going to take a sip of water. So. Um, so I was um, I was chugging along, kidding myself that I was okay. Ten minutes, please. Perfect, perfect. And then I kind of had a a disagreement with my sponsor at the time. We were both in another fellowship, and we started talking more about that stuff than away stuff. And one day she asked me to do something that I did not think was right, didn't sit right with me. And actually what I wanted to do was talk to her about my food because I was finally going to come clean. And then it was like, and we parted ways and, um, and I picked up and there was no deceiving myself about this. I stepped over that line. Um, and then I decided I was going to get another sponsor. And I and I I'd been to um, people of colour meetings in my other fellowship for like two years. So I decided I wanted a black sponsor. So I ditched my home group one night, and I went off to a people of colour OA meeting, and I found myself a black sponsor. That was the only qualification. She looked abstinent, and um, she was black. This is the and I, I would say this is the one time one time only that I did not look for someone who had the recovery that I wanted and when I've done that in the past those relationships with a sponsor have been awesome this time it lasted about two months I was glad to be let go of let go of her and I just dived into the pig boom because I wanted it so badly and actually picked up a couple of times while I was working with her but I just know I, I want to be sponsored. I want to have a relationship with this, with this woman. By this time, I just wanted to eat. I really just wanted to eat. And so I did for four months. I binged my face off. There were two days, just two days in that time that I managed to stay abstinent. And this is how I did it. And you can't see my entire body, but I will describe it. <laughs> Clutching my chair, saying to myself, if I don't move, I can't eat. Now tell me that ain't crazy. That could, because that was just crazy. You know, I looked about at other easy, softer ways. And um, while I was doing that and clutching my chair, losing my mind, um, I'm binging constantly. <clears throat> I've gone back to stuffing wrappers at the bottom of the bins. I've gone back to lying to my husband 
basically sneaking out of the house because my husband's got hearing issues, sneaking out, getting binge foods, coming back, binging, and then hanging out with my husband in the evening. I have visited family who live in, who still live in Birmingham. And I've said, oh, I just need to go down to the shops to get X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Bought food, binged on the way back. And they're like, oh, you haven't got anything with you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I couldn't find what I needed. Lies, lies, lies. Physically, physically, the effects were dramatic. Um, I'd never eaten like that before. So I'd never gained weight like that before. And I'm like, I'm middle-aged now, yeah. So this is having a dramatic effect on my blood pressure. Um, I've got type 2 diabetes in my family, so I can't afford to be messing around with food. And I was getting chest pains, not like heart attack type chest pains. But I would look at my my fitness tracker and I've been sitting, so pretend I've been sitting here for an hour, doing nothing but eating. Yeah, not moving around, not exercising, sitting here. And my heart rate's in the triple digits. And my chest is hurting for my heart beating so fast because I'm eating so much. And um, and I knew I was dying. I have always known that this is a fatal disease. Our literature says it. You know, you just got to Google it on the internet. You all know. But I, I finally realised that... I couldn't stop and I was going to die. And the reason that I'm absolutely certain of that is because even after checking out my heart rate, seeing how big I was getting and how fast and feeling the chest pains, I carried on eating. I carried on binging. Until one day, um, I didn't want to tell my sponsor that um, my sponsor, my other fellowship, because, yeah, pride, shame, still a bit part of me, didn't want to tell her that I hadn't got a sponsor again in a way because she told me it was essential. So I'm like, okay, okay, I beg I'll find one. So I looked in the chat at a meeting, saw, saw people saying that they were, they were available, just picked one at random who didn't say she was of a type that I didn't want because there were certain kinds of sponsors I did not want because like I know best, right? And um, I rang her and she asked me about me and I told her about me and then she told me about her and I'm like, cool, 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 cool. And then she said, and I sponsor like this. And I'm like, damn, because I didn't want someone like her. I didn't, but the fact was she had what I wanted. So I didn't care. How she got it, I don't care. Um, what else? Pro tip, pro tip, do not negotiate with your sponsor. If you want what she's got, just do what she says. End of. So um, I did. I did. I did what she said. I got to a meeting every day. I was doing service in my home group. So that was like one box had already ticked. I did three outreach calls. I got a weighed and measured food plan. I texted it every day. I gave up my life apart from my job. And I think I did three social events um, throughout the 14 weeks it took her to take me through the steps. But I, you know, I told my husband, mate, I'm stage four. 
So you you just got to say goodbye to me for the next three months because I've got to do this because I'm dying. And he was like, yeah. And, and I love the fact that my husband's so supportive because he was like, yeah, whatever you need, darling. And I'm like, cool. So, um, even, oh God, I even paid. I'd already, I was already going to this hen weekend. And I remember sitting down by the sea with my mother-in-law. She's yattering in one ear. And I've got um, my headphones in the other listening to a podcast because, like, I am dying. So I'm taking this thing everywhere with me. No matter what anybody else is eating, I'm eating my food. No matter what anybody else is doing, I'm doing my stuff. And um, and she took me through the 12 steps. And um, God willing, by Friday, um, I will not have binged for 19 months. And um, I'm not dying today. Would um, would my timekeeper be able to tell me how much I've got left? Is that okay? Yes, you've got one minute and 57 seconds. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I've already mentioned a pro tip. This is, this is some of the things that I did. Um, and I still do. One, I do what my sponsor suggests. Two, I don't lie to my sponsor. Three, I don't negotiate with my sponsor. Four, I understand to my bones that I am dying without this disease. I've lost count. There is one really, really important thing that I want to say. I did not get the promises when I got halfway through step nine. I didn't get them. Um, and I believe that I didn't get them because there was further healing that I needed outside of this fellowship. And so my, my very last vote is please, please don't compare your insides with somebody else's outside. Because I did that and I left and I ate for another four years. And also, last pro tip, don't leave before the miracle happens. I first came through the doors in 2005. I reached a healthy body weight 30 years after my first diet. And I've been abstinent for nearly 19 months. That's all, just 19 months. It takes what it takes. We just have to give time time and I'll leave it there. Thank you.